Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to the final episode of this special series of DNVGL Talks Energy, where we explore with our guests the impact of COVID-19 on the energy transition. For this final episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Ditlev Engel, CEO at DNVGL Energy. Welcome, Ditlev. Thank you very much, Matthias. Ditlev, you have an extraordinary background, including eight years as CEO of a global wind manufacturer, as well as your work with the Sustainable Energy for All initiative, in which you work with leaders in government, the private sector, and civil society to gain universal access to sustainable energy by 2030. Please, could you give our listeners an overview of your background and your role at DNVGL? Yes, Matthias. Well, I think first and foremost, I would say uh, I've been in this sector for the last uh, 15 years. And as you mentioned, in, in different roles, uh, starting in, in the wind industry. But during that time, I automatically got engaged with a lot of people also in the, in the public sector, because obviously energy uh, and the energy industry is very much connected between both the private and the public sector. Uh, and one of the things I really learned working with governments around the world, uh, both in that capacity, but also later on in other capacity as a chairman, a special envoy for the Danish government, is that it is so important that we, we do this together because industry uh, needs to ensure that there is uh, the products available and the opportunities from a technology stand, but also government needs to make sure that the regulation is in place. And obviously also that the other things that governments are focusing on energy security and so on goes hand in hand. So a very close relationship there, I think, is one of my important learnings over the last uh, 15 years. I would then say as my role here at DNVGL, I'm the CEO of uh, the business area energy, uh, where we are 2,000 people working on uh, renewable generation, transmission distribution, renewable certification, energy management, Uh, and other services where we are 2,000 people working globally with players in the industry, both those who generate the power, those who transmit it, but also those who use it and those who invest in it, who are our main customer focus groups. And we do that uh, in our daily life, but we also do it together with other colleagues at DNVGL working in other business areas where, so we are in the company total 12,000 people. And of course, also being engaged working with them. So uh, I think it's important to say that in, in this Being part of this industry in the last 15 years is really showing that sharing and working together is so, so important in order to achieve success. To get us into the topic, uh, Ditlev, we have discussed here in this series how COVID-19 has profoundly impacted on policy, the economy and the wider society. And before we discuss some of the great insights from our speakers from previous episodes, I would like to ask a more personal question. Like, how the pandemic has changed the way you personally approach your work and also how it changed the way that DNVGL is operating? Well, first, I would say I've been pretty good at using uh, Teams. Actually, since I think the 10th of March or something like that, I have basically only been engaging with both customers and colleagues over the PC. So that's obviously a big change. I have not been traveling, uh, which I tend to do quite a lot uh, for the last uh, three months. So that's a, a massive professional change. And of course, like everybody else, on, on a personal note, then uh, obviously not seeing 
family and friends as, as one used to do. Uh, but then I still have to say, being based here in Northern Europe, I think we've been quite fortunate that I've still been able to go out for a run and get outside where some of my colleagues and have been basically locked up in their houses and apartments for, for quite a long time. So it's been a big change, but it's, it's definitely, I think for us, we've been fortunate and it's been manageable, but it's a complete new daily life. And, and it still is. I actually, next week, will take a plane, I think, for the first time, is that more than, more than three months ago? Right. So as you alluded to, COVID-19 really had an impact on wider society. And there's one really significant uh, result out of this we can see, and this is a change in the energy usage. One of our guests in the series was Jennifer Lakey from the World Resource Institute, and she suggested that countries must, in her words, build back better following the pandemic to empower people to rethink consumption habits. In your opinion, Didlef, what would be the right approach to do so? Well, I think first and foremost, if we go six months back, none of us could have envisaged uh, the impact that COVID-19 have had. And I see at least two changes from that. Uh, I see first and foremost that obviously, as we just talked about, the digitalization has much further accelerated and will continue to do so. Also, as we discover new ways of working, uh, as we probably could not imagine, even though we knew that it was around there. I think that's a major change of, of, of using new tools differently. Another thing is obviously the climate challenge uh, has not gone away uh, due to the COVID-19. But we have also seen that some changes, what happens when we reduce, as the COVID-19 have caused the carbon emission reduction quite a lot. Uh, I think a lot of people have seen maps over the world, uh, over cities, where all of a sudden you have seen that the pollution level have gone significantly down. Uh, I think people have shared pictures of mountains that you couldn't see before that you all of a sudden can see again. Because before COVID-19, we, we had a very, very high also pollution level. So we have also seen pollution going down and we are starting to see that actually that this gives also new opportunities of thinking of what kind of cities uh, and pollution levels do we want in the future, where we now got some real life learnings, what it could be like when, when we have re reduced pollution so much. So I think we are seeing that some of the things that we were working on will be further accelerated because the, uh, the need for climate uh, actions is as, let's say, as important now as it was before COVID-19. And at least in our business, we have not seen that uh, people have changed their focus. On the other hand, people are talking even more about how to green the grid and green the economy. And uh, I think that is uh, posing new opportunities to, to Jennifer's point of how we are now using this very serious situation to hopefully create and accelerate a, a transition that we know we have to do. And that we also knew we had to do uh, before COVID-19, but is now so also being quite tangible. What, what are some of the other benefits that we actually now have seen, like lower pollution, could mean going forward by accelerating and, and building back better? So this crisis also holds a lot of opportunities. And later on, I would like to draw on this point that we also still have a climate emergency. But before uh, we go there, I would like to ask... Uh, the impact on industries. I mean, some have been ramping down, even closing their operations. In your conversation with DNVGL customers, Detlef, what are the biggest challenges that businesses are having to contend with, both like in, in the present, but also over the, the longer term? 
Well, I think the, the whole world have obviously watched, for instance, how much the oil price has gone down. But one of the things that we do not hear so much about is uh, how the electricity prices have developed. So obviously we have seen that because of the lower consumption of power also means that the electricity prices have, uh, have gone down. Um, so I think it's important to say that our customers differentiate between the short and the long term. So no doubt in the short term, many have, uh, of the clients have also been impacted uh, by this. But when we then talk to our customers looking ahead, uh, we are not hearing anybody is shying away from sticking to their plans of moving ahead, of building out uh, the energy transition, whether it's on the generation side or whether on the transmission or distribution side. Uh, so I think that that is still very much there now. What is also, uh, I think, very interesting to follow is obviously because of also the very sin, uh, significant economic impact that COVID-19 have had, that we are now seeing many governments talking about, okay, so when we are now going to further stimulate the economy, let's make sure that we do it uh, in a more sustainable way. Uh, let's focus on the green transition and use this opportunity also to create new jobs, new industries that hopefully can make also a economic recovery for many of the jobs that we have lost or that we stand to lose uh, because of, of this situation. So it is on, on one hand posing, of course, a, a short-term challenge, but I think on, on, on the longer term, it creates an opportunity for some major new developments and initiative for hopefully also a very robust green job transition. So on, on this energy decrease or energy consumption decrease, we had Dave Turk here from the IEA in this series, and he discussed that renewables are providing to be hugely resilient during the pandemic. On, on the other hand, of course, we see, as you just mentioned, the drop in the electricity prices, and we know that some of the zero subsidy bits for offshore wind farms have made certain assumptions about the increase of electricity prices. What do you think this whole environment does to investors and their confidence in the clean energy sector and what impact that may even have on the speed of the energy transition? Well, you know, uh, Matthias, I, I joined this industry in 2005. So, uh, so being in this industry for the last 15 years, uh, we've seen definitely ups and downs. And the last time where we had a major Uh, let's say, economic crisis was in the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. At that time, uh, the cost of the renewables was significantly higher than they are today. And if you look at how much we have taken the cost down since the last crisis uh, about 12 years ago, it, it means now that the cost of generation of electricity from renewables, uh, the cost of batteries, et cetera, et cetera, we have lowered the, uh, the cost of energy dramatically compared to where we were at that time. This is giving, obviously, a complete different opportunity also going forward uh, because the cost is so much lower. So that's one thing to, to remember where we stand right now. I think the second thing also is some learnings to say, what kind of industries do we have at the moment Uh, that could now play a new role in the energy transition, creating new jobs and opportunities. And if you allow me just to share a story from back to the 80s that I have personally experienced. Back in the 80s uh, in Denmark, where I come from, uh, shipyard was a massive industry. And uh, even we are a very small country in Denmark, there was nearly not a city that did not have a shipyard. 
And uh, that was the most important industry. But in the 80s, it became apparent that it was very difficult for European shipyards and Danish yards, including, to be competitive because of the rise of uh, uh, shipyard new building in Asia. In, and therefore, it was clear that a lot of jobs would be lost and it was a course that you couldn't change. And that is actually one of the time where the wind industry in Denmark started to grow where people looked at what kind of competences do we have in the shipyard industry that we could use into a new industry. And therefore, the, the wind industry in Denmark is very much also built upon using skills from shipyards that do not longer have a future, who's now then transitioned into a new industry. And that gave the wind industry a big push forward because they got a lot of competent people into that. So my hope is that what we are facing right now is that we will look at some of the competences we have from industry who are challenged, how can we use these competences going forward to build a new energy future, which is uh, carbon resilient and at the same time can ensure that many of the jobs we stand to lose for some of these industries, we can use building a new energy uh, transition in the future. I think that would be immensely important uh, for not only our economy, but also in order to transition much faster because we will then utilize a lot of skills in a different way, just as we saw in COVID-19 that we were starting to use our computers in a different way because we had to, because we couldn't travel. So I think we need to think differently. And I think also we need to remember now that the renewable industry and the, and the green industry has grown from a small industry to a quite a significant industry, both in terms of value, but also in terms of the way it needs to scale. So all these thinking we have to build into it. We have seen some examples of uh, people talking about uh, offshore islands, for instance, how to uh, combine the offshore wind with green hydrogen, etc. So we need to think much bigger. And then we need to look at what kind of skills and job transition can we do at the same time. I think that's going to be immensely important to build back better. Uh, I think that will be very important. And it will be a, a double up for both the transition and for the carbon reduction. So as, as you just mentioned, there is little doubt that renewables will grow strong. And you mentioned the example of the shipyards transforming their business in Denmark. We see the same globally, more or less, in the oil and gas industry turning very seriously to renewables since years already. But in a previous series of DNVDL Talks Energy, we have also discussed about the challenges of securing reliable energy from renewable sources. What do you think has the pandemic taught us about resilience in terms of the whole energy mix and clean energy in particular? I think first and foremost that, again, having been in industry for a long time, in the old days there were many questions about the reliability and the resilience, and that is no longer something we hear. Uh, I think what people are much more concerned with now is uh, the future development of the, of the market prices, that the market systems can handle it. And therefore, I think, I would say, and which we also in DNVGL have said in our Any Transition Outlook, that we are quite technology optimistic, but uh, somewhat regulatory pessimistic. And what I mean by that is that in order for the, 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 the new technologies really to thrive, we also need to think about how we're going to reform the market systems. So we just don't think about, for instance, uh, the cost uh, per kilowatt hour produced, but what is the total cost to society, like, for instance, from pollution going forward? And what kind of value does that give in total to a society? So I think we need both, let's say, think differently, but we definitely also need to see a more regulatory reform and an even stronger uh, and closer public-private partnerships in order to make this happen, which will be, uh, I think, the benefit for all. 
the term you just used, technology optimistic and uh, policy or regulatory pessimistic, uh, brings me to one other guest we had in this series, and that was Bob Persia-Sapi from the Center of Climate and Energy Solutions. And he provided great insights into how COVID-19 is impacting energy policy. And as you mentioned in your introduction, you have worked with political leaders and other key decision makers pushing the energy transition forward. How do you think the pandemic will be affecting policy decisions relating to energy and the environment in the future? I think it's a joint responsibility. It is on one hand, uh, the responsibility of industry to connect the dots of what are the technology opportunities, what are the job opportunities that could be provided. So I think it's very important here that the industry is explaining how this should happen and what it could provide because they have the, let's say, the business insights. At the same time, it's also very important that when, when governments looks at this, that you just look at it in what is the, the total cost for society uh, and not just look at it just as an electricity provider because it is the total cost of society that really matters to countries. And that when it comes to, let's say, the, the total cost, but also in terms of the resilience and the attractiveness uh, of, the, of the solutions. And at least one thing that we have seen is that I think we have all known that the, the, the consumption has dropped, uh, for instance, for oil. I think as IEA has mentioned, with 9%, we see a drop in coal and so on. But when you look at the total power consumption here, actually uh, the share of renewables has gone up. Also, of course, due to the fact that uh, uh, they don't know that it's a COVID-19, so they get, uh, let's say, they keep on spinning. Uh, the wind turbines or the, the solar panels uh, keep providing electricity. So we actually see that the market share, sort of say, in some markets of renewables have gone up, which also means that we need to make absolutely certain that the transmission and distribution is ready to handle that. And so therefore, it's also very important when we, when we look into this that we remember that it's the integration and the totality of the systems that we have to focus on that we need to invest in in order to transport it because we see electrification Uh, going up very rapidly and that also means we need to be able to handle it and uh, and therefore being ahead of the curve here is, is extremely important uh, for the planning uh, to make sure that we can accommodate all these opportunities but all of it I'm absolutely certain is going to be good uh, not just for the climate but definitely also for the for the economies and for the for the job creation. And I would like to continue here and go back to a point you have made earlier Detlef and look beyond COVID-19. Since we do not only have a pandemic, we also have a climate emergency that requires business, governments, industry to combine their powers to limit temperature increase to preferably below 1.5 degrees centigrade. What will the greatest challenges be on that journey? I think that it's obviously that we have the possibility, because I think we do have the technology. As I said, we are technology optimistic but that we have both regulatory reforms that makes it possible to really utilize all the opportunities we have uh, for building out the, the generation capacity, for building out the, the grid, for building in the infrastructure for EVs, etc. That's, of course, going to be a prerequisite. But of course, we also need to deal with that in this energy transition, how are we going to deal with the things that we need to get rid of? How are we going to handle, uh, for instance, uh, coal-fired power plants uh, that are not that old that we need to take out? And how are we going to provide financing for taking out that capacity, which is also an important part of the energy transition? One thing is to build out, but also is what we have to take down, uh, sort of say. 
And but all of it actually is the question of also how you you calculate this because if you look at what many people have looked at, what is the total cost for for climate change? Uh, it will cost much more in the long term if we don't do it. Even though people today, some people are saying, well, we can't afford it right now because of the COVID nineteen situation. Uh, and I would then just argue that um, here we have to to dare more, and we also need to remember that the that the industry that we're seeing here and the scaling possibilities in the industry is immense. And that is something where industry really have to show what we can do if we get the opportunities and think big. I think that's very, very important that we need to think big. And we see that, for instance, in the offshore wind sector, where just the size of the offshore wind plant has grown massively over the last uh, 10 years. And I'm sure will continue to grow uh, massively. Plus, it starts to provide new opportunities for how to use the wind power, as for instance, uh, into the uh, to green hydrogen, as, a, as an example. And I just read uh, an interesting observation the other day uh, that uh, last year, I think it was in the US, uh, for the first time, the market share of renewables in the grid was higher than coal. And that's the first time since 1885. So there is things happening. And I'm absolutely certain that going forward that we will keep seeing the, the market share of renewables growing uh, compared to, for instance, to coal. Didev, as you alluded to earlier, uh, we have changed the way we work. You have also said uh, that some parts of digitalization were maybe accelerated. So in that strategy, how is DNVGL helping customers with these kind of new approaches to support their transition towards renewable energy sources? I think first and foremost, you know, we have many different uh, type of, of, of customers. So um, we help people in the financial community how to look at it from an investment point of view. Uh, we help customers looking at it from some of the technical challenges of how to better integrate, for instance, renewable into the grid, etc., etc. But I think also we are seeing a new type of customers uh, coming up. And that is uh, customers who are not traditionally players in the energy sector but are some of the biggest consumers of electricity who are very concerned about the fact that they want to make sure that all the electricity they do consume is being used, is 100% green that they're being used. And therefore, uh, many of them are now getting engaged into the green PPA market. And we have, for instance, for that developed a, a new service, which is called InstaTrust, where we connect uh, buyers and sellers of uh, renewable uh, energy. And we are also, uh, through that, helping people on the green PPA side, because it's, of course, it's about generating it. It's about transporting electricity, but it's definitely also about those who consume it. And here we have to remember that, for instance, the digitalization and the use of data centers and others have a massive uh, increase in electricity consumption. And there's very good to see that there are so many companies now, for instance, like in the IE100, who are joining and saying, we would like to make sure that we really decarbonize our carbon footprint. And uh, could you help us in finding a way to do that? And uh, so these are some of the new things that we are getting involved in. We also, for instance, very much involved in implementing various programs, for instance, in, in the US, where we are helping utilities to find ways to drive energy efficiencies. So there's many ways that we can help our clients uh, finding new business models and also new ways of looking at it. And I think that's uh, very encouraging uh, because it's something we all need to get engaged in. And even we have seen lately now that there are some companies who, as a prerequisite in order to buy products from others, are asking for 
that the, the company should show their carbon footprint uh, in order to, let's say, allow them to be a supplier uh, to them of, of, of products. So again, it's driving the need for demonstrating uh, that the actual reduction of carbon emission is taking place. And again, something we are helping people with on a lot of different, different dimensions. And I think that's very encouraging, but we also know that we have to move very fast because we are not as a world where we would like to be in terms of carbon reduction compared to the Paris Agreement. So we know we need to move very, very fast. And, uh, and therefore, it's so important that everybody joins in, either people in the energy industry, but also, as I said, other companies who are, let's say, customers of the energy industry is also engaging in this now. I think that's very encouraging. Detlef, you have just talked about the engagement with clients and the great insights we are getting there. And we are putting this knowledge into our energy transition outlook, especially the power supply and use report. So experts have a big influence in how things are shaping up. We see that also in the COVID-19 time. So my question is, how important are experts also in supporting the global energy transition? And do you think that the COVID-19 pandemic has cemented the role of experts in helping to influence the approach of policymakers and businesses? <laughs> Not surprisingly, I obviously uh, think that's very, very important, but I would like just, just to elaborate on that. And first to say that there is, the energy transition is now becoming much bigger. Like for instance, uh, the work on uh, the energy islands uh, talked about, we see floating offshore wind coming in as example, which require uh, additional services and just, let's say, the energy services that we do provide together, my colleagues, but also other colleagues we have in the company who have a very strong knowledge, for instance, on the, on the maritime sector, on the insurance part, the digital part, uh, how we have been working in the oceans and the oil and gas sector and so on. So I think the, the energy transition now also require much bigger integration of partners because the projects and the scaling become much larger. So that is very, very important. And to having the technical knowledge and deep insight of how to handle this, because these are very complex challenges that needs to overcome, does really require that. And obviously, everybody at DNVGL, all 12,000, is important for supporting this, and we are very happy to do so. But I also think that apart from having that, it's also very much based upon, as I said, learning from other industries in the past. And there's no doubt that many of the learnings that DNVGL have had over many years is something that we can use now also into the further acceleration of the energy transition. And that's, of course, exactly what we uh, hope and are planning to do uh, going forward. But may I also say that when we look into the future, it's also very important that we use all the tools that we have in a different way. And just as a small example, for instance, when we were all sitting here behind our computers just a few months ago, uh, we were discussing how can we still do, for instance, remote services. And uh, thanks to the fact that over the last uh, five years, we have had a very strong focus on, on digital services, providing to clients, but also to build a very robust uh, digital infrastructure in the company. We are now uh, in a position that we can do virtual site visits, uh, remote solar farm commissioning, remote trainings, remote inspections, et cetera, et cetera. So we are also during this learning new ways of doing our job to support this even in a smarter and faster way. And I'm absolutely certain that this is something we'll continue to see unfolding uh, also with the imagination of many of, of the people we have, but also working closely together with our customers uh, of finding new ways that we can use the digital tools to further accelerate this, this transition, build upon many of experiences in the past and then combining with the new technology opportunities, I think really is a very important recipe uh, for success going forward. 
Thank you very much, Didlev. I have one last question. What lessons do you think we can learn from the global response to the COVID-19 pandemic in order to transition faster together to a clean energy future? I think that if we put our heads and minds to something, we can change everything very fast. I think it has been, of course, on, on a very sad background, it has been uh, incredible to watch how fast uh, the whole world has engaged and rally around this, have understood the seriousness of it and have taken the precautions. And I'm absolutely certain that if we take the same kind of, let's say, joint focus on how to accelerate the energy transition, then we can for sure do that. Uh, I think we have not all but close to uh, many of the tools in the toolbox that we need in order to uh, transition faster on the energy. It's all about how we use them together because we need to do it together. And I think that's a, a very positive learning from the COVID-19 situation. And secondly, I would also say that I'm very uh, technology optimistic. Um, we make um, also some forecasts about where technology is going to go in the coming years and the cost of batteries and some of the things we address in the energy transition outlook. And when I look at all the things we have not yet, let's say, unfolded of the technology opportunities that are at hand and the speed at which we can use technology, I think is going to make it very, very exciting. So we need to also have great faith in what technology can do for us uh, if we remember to use the technology uh, the right way going forward and not use, uh, let's say, maybe also regulatory systems that was created for another type of technology, but that remember that the regulatory reforms have to follow the opportunities that technology will continue to provide. And I'm sure here we are just at the, at the end of the beginning. So, uh, as I said, I am extremely technology optimistic. We just therefore have to make sure we show people how to connect the dots and use the technology. And this is, of course, where we would very much like to, to contribute going forward. Thank you very much, Detlef, for your time and these highly interesting insights. And thank you very much also to the listeners for joining us. That was Detlef Engel, CEO of DNVGL Energy. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.